Hello, welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Morbius. Directed by Daniel Espinosa, Morbius is the superhero vampire film based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name, produced by Columbia Pictures in association with Marvel. The movie is out now, but if you haven't seen Morbius yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our review. We will be talking spoilers. This is the third film in Sony's Spider-Man universe following the two Venom movies. Jason, you have the plot. Dangerously ill with a rare blood disorder and determined to save others suffering the same fate, Dr. Michael Morbius, played by Jared Leto, attempts a desperate gamble. While at first it seems to be a radical success, a darkness inside him is unleashed as he becomes a living vampire. Will good override evil or will Morbius succumb to his mysterious new urges? I'll tell you what, the movie doesn't even answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> and we have waited quite a while for this movie. I mean, the fact that it's finally here and we've seen it is another thing altogether. But you're right, yeah. It doesn't even answer all the questions it set out to. Weren't we waiting like this was, you know, following Spider-Man No Way Home, um, just the future of both the MCU and the Sony Spider-Man universe, you know, what are the connections? What are the crossovers? What does it mean going forward? Where are we? We thought this movie would give us some answers. I've only got more questions. Oh, yeah, no, no. This movie does not answer those questions. When we've been talking about new projects like Madam Web, Kramer the Hunter, it's like, well, we don't really know what they're going to be. We have to wait until we see Morbius. Then still we don't know. know. We still don't know. <laughs> we'll find out if the, he's a Spider-Man, if it's a returning actor. And yeah, like you get to the end of this movie and no, you, you don't have answers to those questions. And and this film talking, you know, Spider-Verse, Spider-Man, No Way Home. I mean, this the release date of this movie, I believe... I'm thinking maybe seven times it was moved. It was just ridiculous. So at one point, it was going to be before No Way Home. And in those early trailers, and you're seeing graffiti of Spider-Man, the word murderer, and then when you watch No Way Home, or even before No Way Home, sorry, you're watching Far From Home. Right, okay. So this is a New York City that believes Spider-Man to be a murderer. So that's where he fits, but... So much of this film was changed from what we'd seen in the early marketing. It ends up being a Frankenstein of a movie. And you're saying that it doesn't answer some of the questions that it set out to answer. I think because it's so badly put together and they've had to move things around, yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Look, I would, I would be forgiving in terms of what what was advertised and and marketed to us you know like all all of the the hints to to spider-man and vulture and uh, yeah or, or michael keaton's character i guess i never ne- necessarily said vulture but um if it was all the early marketing you know like back in you know 2020 you know before this movie started to get delayed and and all that kind of stuff you know the I would have been like, okay, cool. Things changed. 
they change directions, that's fine. I can forgive them. But literally weeks before, just a few weeks before this movie even came out, we were still getting sizzle reels and, yeah, you know, like new trailer teasers and, and all that getting put out with, with the focus being on, you know, like the shared universe type thing with Spider-Man and, and these other characters and even like, bits with you you know have like jared leto saying to us you know like oh like who knows what can happen now like jumping universes blah 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 you have a trailer with michael keaton narrating it obviously a very heavy presence in in the you know in the marketing again just a couple months weeks before this movie launches it's unforgiving i'm like it's it's just it's not cool it's not cool it's misleading it's, yeah it's it is very, it, it actually it's is very misleading it, it is it is you yeah i was gonna say you're right but we're both saying it we're, both we're, both saying, it we're not we're not going, we're not arguing it is it is misleading but even like in the one of the trailers and he said he's i'm venom and the guy's freaked out he's like hey i'm only kidding it's dr michael mobius at your service or whatever he says that's even been changed in the movie, which I know does happen, but that was like a, a direct reference to another one of these spin-off films. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, the, that's probably the only reference in um, in this movie. I mean, well, they a, mentioned, well, they mentioned San Francisco, and we can get into that's true, the yes. characters because oh, there's one character in particular that if I'm the actor, I'm going to be so annoyed at what this movie ended up being because anyway, we'll, we'll save that. For now, because I want to mention, so we're talking Spider-Verse and you know Spider-Man Nowhere Home and all of that, but the character of Morbius very nearly made it into the Blade film from 1998 and he's actually seen in a DVD deleted scene from the original ending. Oh wow, I did not I did not know that. I thought something like that you'd say for your trivia. That's um that's some big stuff. I've got more. I've got more for the trivia. But yeah, oh, but that's oh, that's boy. pretty cool because you know because people, you know, people praise you know X Men two thousand. What was Spider Man two thousand and two? Correct. Yeah. But in ninety eight, Blade really kickstarted this, and obviously you know many people have this opinion, but it's interesting that that very first Blade film also had an appearance of Morbius, the living vampire, because. A lot of audiences now, oh, wow, this, you know, experiencing this character as a brand new character, or at least new to them. It's back in 98, we almost got him, which more than likely would have set up an appearance in, in a sequel. They didn't commit to it, so that's, that's fine. But it's interesting, you know, you, you mentioned Blade, or I guess um, if we're talking vampires in general, you know, it, it's interesting to look at different types of vampire movies that we've had in the past, because if you're, if you're looking at this, all right, never mind all the, the Spider-Man connections or lack thereof and all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, look, are we are we going to get a pretty cool-looking, you know, vampire horror flick kind of thing? Uh, the result kind of is no, but um, we'll say that for a bit. Um, but looking at different vampire movies, you know, like you've got the more supernatural ones, and, and that, I guess that kind of falls into, like, the Blade category. Um but then also it's very rare that you do end up with like the, the science-based vampire-type stories. And that's why I was kind of, you know, interested in, in this character and having him come to life because, yeah, we're going to get a, a science-based 
um, you know, like mad scientist gone wrong monster movie. I was all in. Here I am. I'm, I'm here for it. The science in this doesn't even make sense. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, so much. So much of it doesn't make sense. But what was your exposure before this film of the character Morbius? Like uh, Spider-Man cartoons, I believe. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man in the 90s. Yeah, that is where I first were introduced to that character. He had a very thick European accent, which he doesn't have in this, although an early scene in the film does show a young Morbius being raised in Greece. But then, of course, present day is in the US. So maybe the kind of touching on it there, but a big thing missing from the comics and that Spider-Man animated series, he's not got the suction on his hands, which made him very different to other vampires. So they've gone for a more traditional, he's got fangs, bites people approach to his character. <laughs> he's got fangs, he bites people, he can fly for some reason. Um, he's got the all the sonar. Wasn't it something? Stuff. Yes. <laughs> no, but the, that's what it was. I don't care what he's you're gonna say. Riding it, yeah. The, the no, the the flying makes no sense. <laughs> like, well, first, it's it's the, it's from it's from the train, isn't it? That the the vibrations in the air, and then he uses the bats. He's obviously been watching Batman Begins. Works very well for <laughs> Batman in that, and he's he's doing that here, and he's using the bats to to fly. Um, there was a lot of imagery that I was yeah. like, I feel like I've seen this before. I feel like this is very, I get very Batman Beginsy with the with all the bats. You know, another thing they've taken out, and then we can move on. There's no longer a reference to Oscorp. And with that, it got me thinking that with the Tom Holland Spider-Man films, we don't get the origin because the feel is, okay, we've done that you know, done and dusted. We've done it many times. Where was he that he got bit by the spider? We don't know, do we? Because there was no Oscorp in the MCU. Yeah, no, it would have just been some, just some science. Some spider somewhere. Well, I mean, take the, the Sam Raimi films uh, with Tobey Maguire. The, it, that wasn't Oscorp with the spider. It was just they were on a field trip at some lab. No, that was Oscorp, wasn't it? No, 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 no. Wasn't it? Wasn't no. It? it was Oscorp in um, the amazing, ah. the two amazing films. Everything was bloody Oscorp. No. Oh, let's not get, let's <laughs> not get bogged down by that then. Just, <laughs> uh, just forget I brought it up. Um, you mentioned the director. You know, he directed the sci-fi horror movie Life. Can you remember that with Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca yeah, Ferguson, I... Jake Gyllenhaal? I quite and then, like that. And I was, I, 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 I speculated, I was like, this could be like a prequel to Venom. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, there was so many rumors at the time that it was going to be a precursor to Venom. It was going to be setting up a Venom film. And even, of in, course, it wasn't, it didn't happen, but it's interesting. But that even now in, he's directing a Marvel Even film. in the first Venom film, though, there's, um, what is it, like the, the company? like that major company that's actually featured in the film is called Life, or that's like the name of the program or something, which is, I don't know, I remember just like being like, mm. <laughs> like even watching Venom, I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe. It never happened, never happened. 
No, no, it no, it didn't. What do you think to the look of Morbius? And we'd seen the trailers, we'd seen the posters, we knew what it was going to look. I mean, this is a very CG heavy appearance, which I didn't know until doing prep for this. It was Jared Leto who opted to avoid using prosthetic makeup for the character. He wanted it to be CG because he thought, you know, all the advancements in technology, it would just be a better visual. <laughs> he'd recently just done House of Gucci, where obviously he was under a lot of prosthetics. Sure, yeah. For no, that, yeah. but look, we- it looks very cartoony at times when he's transforming. If, if I could start with, I guess, like uh, Michael's appearance, uh, you know, like obviously uh, sort of appearing unwell and all that kind of thing. It's a unique look. It looked very believable and I went with that. I want to start with a positive. <laughs> You're right. Like the the look, I don't know. I find like the look of Morbius in in like the vampire form, I'm okay with it. I'm like, look, it looks monstrous and, you know, even though kind of goofy, I'm like, eh, you know, it, it looks like okay, he's turned into this into this beast type creature. The reason it really looks cartoony and rubbish is the quality of the effects. They're just not good. Like they're passable. If this movie came out like 15, 20 years ago, they're just not up to where they should be. And that's why it you looks know, like a cartoon. Yes, yeah. Yeah, no, that's pretty much what I think as well. But what you've just said there, like so many times when I was watching this movie, I was like thinking it feels like we're watching a Marvel film, a Fox film from the early 2000s. You know, around the time of things like Daredevil, Elektra, Ghost Rider, I know was Sony, but it just felt like a movie from that time, it didn't feel current with all the other comic book movies that we're getting at the moment. It feels like, and we're obviously going to get to the post-credits eventually in this review, but like, without all of that world, world building, I'll put in quotations, someone could, <laughs> yeah, who even knows? someone could look at this movie and be like, cool whatevs and then move on from it much like similar to uh, like a Jonah Hex or and obviously you know, I'm talking DC and stuff but you know like when you had those sort of standalone movies that sort of came out you kind of watched them you're like okay that really wasn't great and then you just moved on because it wasn't important I think the only reason people will go back to this will be because of the potential world building that Sony's doing here but again, that's obviously further conversation. But I, yeah, but you're right. Like that, it's just that kind of. It almost feels very standalone-y. It feels very uh, of a different era, of a different decade. It's just a different. It's like it was. It's back when comic book movies didn't really want to be a comic book movie, or, or they they like they didn't embrace that that aspect of of what it was. I felt like this movie no, was we... lost in that. Like it's just yeah. Well, I mentioned first X-Men film already. Well, all of the X-Men films until first class, black leather. They didn't lean into what, you know, the characters looked like on the page. They went for a more realistic take. And, you know, with what we've seen from the MCU, now it's very comic accurate. And again, this film, it just, it's leaning so far to 
the early notice. But if, if we just move on, there's there's other characters other than Morbius in this film. And what I'm going to do, well, we'll start with Matt Smith as Milo. And I've got to be honest, like all the marketing and everything, I forgot he was in it. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how. I forgot Matt Smith was in it. And I was going to skip and come back to him because there is other characters until there isn't. And this movie pretty much just becomes a two-hander. Really. It's just, it's a film starring Jared Leto and Matt Smith. Because the the other, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll do Matt Smith, but I mean, all the <laughs> other characters, just as a blanket statement, they don't do anything or they're underused that to the point where it's like the character probably should have done more or had more that, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to them all. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, they come... They're coming in and out of it, and we're getting characters to begin with, like Jared Harris as Dr. Emil Nicholas. We're getting Adria Arjona as Martine Bancroft, and those characters are kind of there until they're not, because then it, it just becomes... <laughs> not in, about, not about, the movie's not about them at all. More like, no, it's, but I mean, it's to, just... Yeah. I'll, I'll give this movie a little bit more praise. There's the, the like the flashback scenes um with you know a young michael and milo i forget what his actual name is but obviously they, they you know he names him milo lucian um, lucian sure it's not important <laughs> <laughs> with you know with jared harris you know all of those scenes you know setting up that relationship between these two boys eventual um you know adoptive brothers in a way you know best friend i liked all of that and i was like okay Okay, there's that, you know, there's going to be actual heart and development of characters, and there's a real emotional stakes to obviously when you, you know, obviously that guy's a bit, you know, a bit of a loose cannon. I bet he's going to, he's going to turn into maybe an adversary of sorts at some point. That all stays in those flashbacks. The, the rest of the movie is something different. It's something different. Like the Matt, Matt Smith, I liked his interpretation of this character or, or the portrayal of the character, I should probably say, um, before he turns into the crazy guy with the vampire powers. <laughs> you know, when he was all, like, nervous and, you know, twitchy and, you know, very politely spoken, I was like, yeah, he's a likeable character. It just, it wasn't a twist, was it? I mean, we all knew that it was him. Yeah. And because they kind of do the Kaiser Soze thing, you know, where he's, he's walking out, the, the nurse has been murdered, in the hallway, they suspect him Morbius, and then Milo walks out, and then he he gradually starts walking upright, and then he's walking unaided. But yeah, we knew, <laughs> we absolutely knew that it was him. It's no big reveal. We, you know, we know it's him. I'll say this: if we're talking positives, Matt Smith looked as though he was having the best time making this film. At least what we see in the in the film, like you know, it could just all be the character, but yeah, he looked like he was having a ball. I genuinely like. Up- he was chewing up so much scenery. He looked as though he was having a great time. On that note, though, I mean, I I genuinely reckon that there was a decent, good movie here, and these actors believed that they were making a quality film because of, I guess, like the performances that you're getting from, especially, I mean, like both Jared Leto and Matt Smith, you know, like Jared Leto is delivering, you know, like a performance. It's not an overly engaging, you know, like um, very charismatic, energetic performance, 
no. he's doing something very sincere and somber, which is fine. You kind of lose a bit of like pop because of that. And then Matt Smith, like you said, like he is, he's putting, he's putting something into this. Like there is an energy to him. He's, he's, he's trying to really sell it. So yeah, good for maybe, him. I really think they believe that this was good. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's why he's gone so big because you're right. Like it's the performance we're getting from Leto is going really small and quiet with his so performance. You reckon it's sort part. of like to contrast the two yeah, of them, may, I suppose. Maybe. But what I did read though, Matt Smith, uh, he he's you know friends with Karen Gillan. They did Doctor Who together. She was Amy Pond, he was the doctor. And of course, she plays Nebula in the MCU. And yeah, I think she had a whisper into his ear and say, hey, come and do one of these Marvel films. Do it. And <laughs> this is the one that he that he chose to do. Oh, dear. Well, actually, on, on Milo, he does mention at one point having employed bodyguards because he angered a Russian man while playing cards. That could be a reference to Craven mm. the Hunter. There you go. I mean, Could be. Yeah. And, and do you know what? This film is not subtle at all. <laughs> so I would say that probably is a reference to Craven the Hunter. Whilst we're still on Milo, I mean, um, he's obviously the... Uh, the yeah, He's playing the antagonist in this film. He's the opposite of Morbius. He takes the, you know, the, the path of, you know what, to really utilize these powers and maintain it and and continue to you know thrive and grow on it is i've got to i've got to feed i've got to basically take out people eat them suck them dry uh he doesn't hesitate he pretty much just goes yep that's what i need to do morbius there's always i was looking forward to like that moral dilemma of hey to to survive i need to make a choice do I do this to innocent people or do I find an alternative way? What's the struggle? You know, that internal, very poetic kind of human struggle, hu- like the human beneath the monster. This movie addresses that for like a minute and then, and then just doesn't answer that. You know, like it proposes the question. It puts Morbius, the character in that situation, but then you see milo pretty much take the, the the other you know the one path and then after they you know they have their head on end you know, milo's defeated and morbius just flies away i don't know what his resolution to where he stands i i, I don't know it's another issue with this movie of we didn't really get that struggle or development of character at all. Do you know why? Because it's very black and white. One's good, one's bad. One drinks blood from innocence, the other one doesn't. That's it. Boring. I, I think that, <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I, I think that's, I mean, this movie, it could have been much darker. It could have been a much more adult movie. I don't think that's the movie they ended up making. It could have been a smarter movie. Yeah, but could have who's the target audience? I don't know. Like, this See, you just said it there. Going over fairly, I don't know. I legit don't know. <laughs> this, this film seems to be going fairly well over with people. And the Venom films, the first one especially, that was a hit. Like, 
And, you know, I know we didn't have the best time with those movies either, but they clearly found an audience. I don't think this film was going to do as well as those films. I mean, Venom is a lot more of a known character and having Tom Hardy in there. But no, this is a very black and white, good, bad film. <laughs> good, bad. Good, bad film. <laughs> I mean, good, bad is, you know, like, anyway, you know what I mean? Good guy, bad guy. That's, okay, okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that's not my review. <laughs> um, okay, I mentioned an actor that's going to be disappointed, and I was to- I was talking about Tyrese Gibson as Simon Stroud. Now, I'm going to read a description. It's got nothing to do with his character in this film. It is from marvel.com, right? And it is the description of his character. CIA agent turned special investigator Simon Stroud often seeks out monsters from Manwolf to Morbius, and he never gives up his hunt. Doesn't that sound like a cool character? That's not this guy. These no, guys, these guys are, I... seem like two, <laughs> two cops on the beat, you know? Like, they just... Yeah, yeah, it, it's a mess. Like, a lot of this film, like, characters, and it, it, honestly, and, you know, Tyrese Gibson, more known for the Fast and Furious films, I'd seen on social media, he was excited for getting this film, being in this film. And there's no way how the character is seen in the finished product is what he would have read in the script. And there's a scene, right, earlier in the film when he races up and he sees him on the roof and then Morbius is shocked. And it's it's like an effect, like a ripple through the air towards where Morbius is. It misses him. And then when you see who's there it's Tyrese it's Simon Stroud and you do see later on he's got like a gauntlet something on his arm and that's more evident in the comics but as I'm watching I'm thinking hang on this doesn't feel complete this scene doesn't work because it just seems random that this 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 but they don't fully show it yeah but they don't fully show it yeah it's just that's right it, it seems weird, weird because then, you're sitting there being like, was it him that did that or is this something else? And I have to admit, when like, look, I, was, I was thinking, especially after we get to like the train and stuff, and yeah. I was like, was that his flight sort of starting to kick in, but it didn't quite work? Nope. And it was it, the character. It was Sam Stroud. He was sense. responsible. Like, he's, got, he's got high-tech weapons. Which... From where? Why? <laughs> Mate, all I can say either cutting room floor or they didn't <laughs> shoot it <laughs> because there's there's so much missing because again right it ends up being a two-hander didn't start that way i don't think the film was supposed to be that but it ends up just being all about jared leto and matt smith and if i'm matt smith to be honest i'm like hey where's my name on that poster <laughs> and even like the you know the, all the promo artwork it's a big jared leto face his name above the title of the movie. And of course, he is the title character. But, you know, the film very much ends up belonging to those two actors. And, and look, did you catch... That's fine. Did you, ask, did, you, um, did you catch the gag early on when uh, Milo was asked, what's the pain level at? One to ten. And he says 11. That was a little Doctor Who gag. He's the 11th Doctor. Yep, went over my head, but um, <laughs> just in case you missed that, it was either a Doctor Who gag or a This is Spinal Tap gag, but I think it's more than likely. 
<laughs> a Doctor Who gag. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but look, Tyrese Gibson, even like Al Madrigal character, like both of them, they're there. But again, I don't know why. Like the only real scene they actually have of any purpose is when he's arrested and then they're interrogating him. But it's like that literally could have been the only scene they were in and it could have just been any other cops that arrested him or whatever. Like they didn't need to follow some sort of investigation into him because it wasn't anything interesting anyway. It was just sort of them talking about things that we had we were seeing unfold. So it's like, I don't know. Why do we have these two characters here? And why because was one of them played by Tyrus Gibson? Holy shit. Because it was supposed to go somewhere. I mean, Stroud is the one that's saying, yeah, I've not seen something like this in San Francisco. Mm. He's a monster hunter. It's not in the film. <laughs> it's not in the film. Like, are you, thinking, it, you know what would have been cool? If, if this character was already, you know, in the Venom films, or at least the first one or something, or, in, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the plan is hey, to have him we, um, pop up somewhere again. I'm sure that's what he's been told. We <laughs> we do see a Daily Bugle newspaper. That was interesting. I remember in that yeah, first... They, they pop up a few times. They, pop up a few they times. do, but in that first Venom film, and they were talking about how Brock worked for a paper in New York and he was fired, and it ends up being like the Daily Star or something. And it's like, ah, oh, could you not have had Daily Bugle? Did they not use Daily Bugle? No, not in the first Venom film they didn't, no. Really? I think they did no. the second one, though. Yeah. Or... Oh, no, they weren't in New York. No, because it, mm. it... No, no. Anyway, it was it was a thing that we talked about on our Venom review. And we Sorry. need to talk about Martine Bancroft. She is a scientist, a very competent scientist. So there we go. And she comes in, in and out of it for a little bit. But then she becomes the damsel in distress. Then she becomes the one that has to sacrifice her own life so the hero can succeed. You know, she's that character. Yeah. And then and, she's like a vampire you know, at the end of it or something. Yeah. Or something you know, like that. Yeah. What a twist. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> all that coming. Oh, man. Who saw that How vampires work? <laughs> so that's, that's the big ending. You know, we knew we were going to have a, a showdown between Morbius and Milo because that's all the film was at that point. And then, yeah, she opens her eyes at the end. She's going to be a vampire. Ooh, what's the future going to bring? What a boring character. That's all I've got to say. I mean, like, to be fair to the actress, she is not getting a lot to do. I mean, she's she's got a bit to do in the beginning, but again, like, as soon as you pass the hour mark, nobody else matters. You yeah, I mean, left. I think her highlight was really, like, like on the boat, you know, when they're in international waters. And oh my God, like in that, in that scene, this is the type of movie that we're watching here, right? It's like, okay, you suddenly you're introduced to these, like, you know, these muscle men and literally the first person, the first one of them that you meet, he's just talking smack, making him sound like the biggest asshole that, you know, oh, do you know what? I reckon all of these guys are going to die soon. And then they do because that's how that scene unfolded. It was like, okay, we're meeting these dudes. We establish that they're, that they're assholes. Now Morbius is going to kill them all. Okay. <laughs> like such a simplistic, yeah. like paint by numbers kind of thing. But look, you had her running around and then getting in a bit of the action. Other than that, you know, she's playing scientists a little bit. Oh, do you know what the, the scene with her and the, the first scene with her and Morbius in the lab and she walks in and it's like, 
she pulls the cur- like the big sheet down over the you know the giant uh, tank in the middle of the room of filled with bats. And it was like, yeah, what was the conversation about? Like, oh, I, I didn't know you knew about my secret experiment. Yeah, there's a giant freaking tube in the <laughs> this tank in the middle of your lab. I've noticed. Like, what yeah. is going on, man? <laughs> I mean, to be fair to him, like he did hide it behind the curtain. So. <laughs> it was covered. <laughs> It, yeah, it was it was concealed, but yeah, again, it, it just becomes a two-hander, and and characters just disappear. I mean, we do get to see Jared Harris's character die. Just, Milo kills him. Just underused. This guy was just under. I, I, I mean, I, again, I, amongst all the other characters, just but this guy especially just underused. Like he was, he's the moral compass between the two of the the two boys. Like sort of like a father figure to both of them has been in their lives, and I know that you know they they hint at like a conflict between Milo and him and sort of like a jealousy and favoritism, Morbius over Milo. And that's it. Yeah. It becomes, yeah, it becomes a few lines right before his death. So it's sort of like, there's none of that until they feel like the scene needs to justify Milo killing Dr. Emil. That's, that's it. And then it's like, Oh, okay. You're throwing in some, character conflict now it's not something that's been building that we've followed throughout this movie it's just dumped he's dead sure it's almost like they were asking for a free pass on his death to make it i don't know just underused again that 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 early scene with the with the flashback with the three of them in like the facility like good it felt like we were establishing some stuff and then you kind of wanted to know. It was like, oh, well, like Emil really took Milo in after that. What what happened? It yeah, sounds I, like, yeah, sounds like he didn't have a great time. <laughs> I agree with that. The opening is great when it's got them as boys. It is Morbius that names in Milo because you're the new Milo. There's been you know Milo's before you, and kids just come and go. But I'm permanent. I'm here. Yeah, that all works really well. But you, you're right. And then just out of nowhere, we told about this jealousy and rivalry that Milo has been experiencing as Morbius is the successful one. Yet if you're looking financially, they both seem really successful. Like Milo seems to already have a very good thing going for himself. That's it, yeah. And then it's it's sort of just like the, it's like the, I need this so much to save my life. That's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's maybe just work on this a little bit more so you don't become a monster or so. Like, I... It's like you can wait, you can wait a couple of weeks. Like, Morbius <laughs> is maybe going to refine this a little bit. Oh, I don't know. Just become so that's the type of movie this is. It's like it, it presents itself as this very smart, intelligent kind of film where it's like, look, we're, we're working with science and we're all talking very somber and dark and, you know, like this is a serious movie. And then it just does stupid, silly things. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's where the movie ends. But wait, there's more. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two. There's two mid-credit scenes. In the first one, Adrian Toomes is brought to Sony's Spider-Man universe due to the finale of Spider-Man No Way Home. The first mid-credit scene shows the sky opening up during the MCU's film's climatic battle. In the second mid-credit scene, 
Toombs is released from jail as this universe doesn't even know who he is and thus wouldn't have any criminal record. In the final mid credit scene, Toombs says he is there because of Spider-Man. That's the first actual mention of the character's name in a or in Sony's non-MCU universe. Then suggests teaming up with Morbius. This is set up to Sony's desire to have Sinister Six, which I guess they've been working towards since, I want to say, The Amazing Spider-Man. Was it two? The second just one? Leave it alone. Just leave. They're building towards it. Freaking so it's Six. Holy shit. It's very, it's very confusing because, I mean, so is this... So the MCU, Adrian Toomes, he found out who Spider-Man was, but then chose to keep the secret. Yes, and went to prison because and he's not like, actually an evil guy. No, he's just and that's where getting what's owed to him. But I mean, I suppose we, he, amongst everybody else, probably also forgot who Peter Parker was. Ah, potentially. All right, look. The when when in this movie, honestly, when, let me when, just say, No Way Home has so much to answer for. <laughs> Like it doesn't. None of this makes any sense. When in this movie, when the when the sky opens up, it's all purple. There's a big crack, and then this character is plucked from the MCU into this universe. You're scratching your head because you're thinking, okay, well, why why did that happen? Because it seemed like everyone was being pulled into the, you know, Tom Holland's MCU world, the one that we know and love and all of that, and it was like everyone got sent back. I, I again, there was no hint at potentially this is something that happened or like a, a side effect of Doctor Strange's spell at the end. Who knows? Or it's just some bullshit they made up to put in this movie. Whatever, fine. That that aside, Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes Vulture is now in this world. Fine. Potentially, he also for, um, had his memory of Peter Parker wiped as well. So his, you know, like stance of. I know who Spider-Man is, but, you know, I don't want any harm to come to him, so I'll protect him. I'll keep the name to myself, whatevs. Now suddenly he's in a position where it's like, I know Spider-Man's my enemy. I know nothing else. Okay, cool. Maybe that's that feeds into his motivation. I can buy that. Where we leave Morbius's character at the end of this movie and then see him in this, in this post credit scene, why, like, at not one point did this movie establish Morbius as a villain or someone that's gonna number one. Why would he agree to meet up with this with this guy? Uh, why would he then show an interest in teaming up with him to do some good, as Michael Keaton says? And what has he got against Spider Man? Like, what kind of like? I don't know. Again, if this movie fed into the fact that the the city like believe that spider-man was a murderer maybe he would think oh i can do some good like genuinely do some good and and take down this you know this vigilante this this villainous spider-man okay that would make a bit more sense but it doesn't paint like that Uh, adrian tombs is there's no spider-man there's no there's no establishment it's just out of nowhere it's taking no spider-man it's taking stuff from (laughs) from what we know elsewhere into this movie that this character Morbius that we've been following has no 
he has no dog in this fight. I have no idea what his motivation would be. And then just as a cherry on top of complete stupidity, where the frick did he get his vulture outfit from? Where Tell you, you what, that? though, What's... I like the redesign. I like the more pointed beak on the mask. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Where did he get it from? I guess he built it out of more scrap metal. So he built it out of scrap metal without any <laughs> Shatari tech, without any Stark tech. It's just tech from this world. It's just no, no, no. It, it doesn't make sense. But let's go back to the fact that there is no Spider-Man. I mean, again, when Venom first was released, this was going to be Sony's Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. Then the end or the post credit scene for Venom Let There Be Carnage, Venom goes to the MCU. But then at the end of No Way Home, Venom goes back. But he left a bit of the symbiote, convenient for the MCU, I guess. But then... We had Eddie Brock, a character who'd been to the MCU, now knows of Spider-Man, but being in a world without Spider-Man. So you've got a character the, that knows of the, a Spider-Man. The symbiote. And now we've, at the end but of, now we've um, got Morbius and Vulture teaming up. There's no Spider-Man. Why do you need a Sinister Six? There is no Spider-Man. Makes like, no at, sense. At the end of... Um, let there be carnage. Not Tom Hart, not not Eddie Brock, but like the symbiote, like Venom himself. He he says that he knows. Makes it sound like he knows of Spider Man. You know, they're watching the the footage of like you know the the news broadcast, and it, and it's like him. You know, like he knows of Spider Man because I of the hive mind or some bullshit. Yeah, exactly. He's seen. The multiverse or whatever. I yeah. didn't get from that, but I still yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it even from that though, even from the end of Let There Be Carnage, it didn't hint at there was a Spider-Man in Eddie Brock's Tom uh, Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock's world, but the Venom knew of a Spider-Man from the multiverse or something. But now, if if this Morbius is in the same world as Venom. There very clearly is a Spider-Man swinging around, doing things, potentially murdering people. Who knows? Whatever the graffiti says or doesn't say, because it wasn't actually in the movie. It's not in the movie. I, on that, you know, yeah, the director well, was asked about that, and he's like, I don't know. I didn't put it there. See, and that's... <laughs> that's just the, even, that that's was, the worst thing to hear. Sony. This is... That was nothing. Mm. And the director was saying that before the movie came out, by the way. Yeah, that's And he was rough. also talking about... Um, Michael Keaton appearing during the mid credit scene. Also, a week and a half before the movie came out. I mean, how? I mean, that's ridiculous in itself. But I mean, isn't it the worst thing? Like, you're watching these trailers of this movie, they're, they're hinting at Michael Keaton's appearance being some sort of plot, you know, like a device or, a, you know, a narrative point because he's featured in the trailer. He's there. He's interacting with Morbius in the trailer. And then you don't actually get him in the movie. He becomes a stinger at the end of the movie to set up a different movie. That's bullshit. Like, that's really actually is. infuriating I bullshit. I agree. It, it is bullshit. Can you remember at the end of Iron Man? And then out of the darkness walks Samuel L. Jackson, and it was amazing. Imagine if that They've was in the Iron Man here. trailer. They've, in the Iron Man not, trailer, oh, yeah, yeah, imagine if they ridiculous. were like, oh my but God, is this being, Iron Man or Avengers? <laughs> if that's what they were trying to do, nah, <laughs> it is not the same. This is I almost as bad as... As Adrian Toomes is not 
Nick Fury. This is almost as bad as when they were advertising, obviously not Sony, but Universal, when they were advertising Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and they presented the movie as, hey, the dinosaurs are going to be loose. There's going to, you know, the oh, a T-Rex is going to roar at a lion. We've never seen that before. Isn't this going to be a cool movie? Oh, look at that Mosasaurus like out in the ocean. Oh, that's going to be havoc. The last scenes of the movie, setting up the next one. Like, it pisses me off, man. Do you <laughs> know what? I cool. never want to... I, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I get where you're going from. But what I don't want to see in another Jurassic World film is the T-Rex to be presented as a hero. Can we stop <laughs> doing that? I've had enough. <laughs> like, wait, he just comes in, saves the day and walks off and has a roar. I like the T-Rex. I, I do, don't get me wrong, but I've had enough. Stop doing it. I mean, it happened as recent as Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, man, it's, yeah. They need to stop. She's the queen, man. She's the queen. <laughs> but okay, we've, bit of sidetracking there. We've done, we've done, well, we've, well, we've done Fallen Kingdom full review um, previously, and, and we've done Morbius. Uh, we've got some mid credit scenes. Um, I think we're there. I think we can rate this movie. All right. Look, first up, compared to, compared to the other two Sony-verse Spider-Verse, whatever movies, whatever they're called. The, not including, if you just ignore the post-credit scenes, because I want to, I feel like that just, that tips my rating at the end of it. If if I just look at the, the actual Morbius film and compare it to them, this is probably better, which is, which is weird to say because I've, I've pretty much bashed this movie quite a bit. It's... It's probably better. It's still not good because I really don't like those Venom movies, especially Let There Be Carnage. If anything, this may be on par with the first Venom film. Maybe a little bit better. Probably a little bit better. Uh, but having said that, this like this movie isn't great. This um, it it's 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 dark. It's pretty boring. Characters aren't used. There's no real character development or any sort of arc to follow or to get really into it just sort of presents something and then there's a vampire fight and then the movie ends and then there's the most ridiculous bullshit tacked on frankenstein's monster um of a disaster post-credit piece together that i feel like no one put any thought into i guarantee they did not consult marvel studios or kevin feige about what they were doing with that they just did it tried to make it fit it really doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. They'd have to retcon or either ignore it over at the MCU. I mean, um, it, this isn't this isn't a great movie. It it doesn't work as a science fiction film. It doesn't work as a horror film. It's it seems to be ashamed to be a comic book movie, and it's just got a somber, boring tone. There's there's even though it's a living vampire, there's no life to this movie. There's there's no soul. There's no heart. Like it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty bland. And I feel like if I ignored the mid-credit scene, I would be giving this movie like a two. But with the with the post-credit scenes put on there, the movie it just pissed me off at the end of it. I just watched it being like, what the like, and I used some bad language. I'm gonna give it a 1.5. Out of five. Okay, I'm done. I feel better. 
I mean, I've said it already. This is a throwback to the mid-2000s. The comic films we were getting at that time, and in in the worst ways. Like, it, I, I did not have a good time with this movie at all. And honestly, you know, watching films, Benefit of the Doubt and all of that, as I was watching this, I just wanted it to be over. I stuck around because I knew there were some mid-credit scenes. <laughs> I, I didn't like this film. I, I did not like it. And I would say Venom is better. I'm not going to say, I mean, even Let There Be Carnage, although it's not great, I'd potentially put this film in third place. I did not have a good time with this film at all. It was very, I mean, I'd say disappointing. I'd not heard good things. I wasn't going in with, you know, high expectations or anything like that. Uh, but still, I just walked out of it and thought, oh, well, that was a thing. <laughs> Don't need to see it again. I've, I've seen it. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a mess. And I remember opening day, I was either going to watch this or Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Right, I I still have not watched Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I, I, let, I, I have. Let, I let the wife decide, as she said, let's watch Morbius, you know, horror fan. She knew it was like Marvel, so, you know, I get it. And she probably made the right choice in terms of what we needed, but I still haven't watched Sonic, and I think I regret it. Anyway, sorry, continue. Well, I did say when, when you said that out of the two, that's the one that you were going to be able to watch in review. I did say Morbius probably is more on brand for the podcast. So that works out quite well for the show. But yeah, oh, mate, I, you know what? I don't do this often. One out of five. Wow. One. One out of five. One out of five. And yeah. I can't even argue. That's fair. That's fair. I would be very surprised if I ever watch this film again. If ever. If you do what I did, and let's say if you hypothetically just remove the mid credit scenes. And just had the movie from start to the, the start of the end credits. Would that have been a higher rated movie for you? And where would you? I land? wanted it to end way before the mid credit <laughs> scene. So no. not, you know what? You're right. Like I, I found myself sitting through this movie, being like, "Oh, just wrap it up now, so I can go." And you know what? As I walked out, because I, you know, after the the whole Michael Keaton debacle thing. I Googled, I was like, tell me that was the last freaking post-credit scene. And it, the, the internet told me it was. So I left. And then as we're walking out, there was a there was another patron in the cinema, asked the uh, one of the cinema cinema girls, like, oh, do you know if there's another thing? And she was like, oh, look, I'm not sure. And I, I very loudly said, nope, that's it. I Googled it. I can't wait to get, I, you can't get me out of the cinema any sooner. Like just, and she was like, oh, you didn't like the film? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> can you... Can you remember the tagline for the film? Um, uh, no, not, not a clue. This a won't... new Marvel legend arrives. Oh, come there on. we go. How generic yeah. is that? It should have been. It should have been like Morbius, the living vampire. We promise this won't suck. <laughs> I mean, they can't do the MCU thing. They can't put Marvel Studios on there. They can with the Spider-Man films, but not with Morbius. So I bet they were scratching their heads and I thought, I've cracked it. This is what we can do instead. They just want to get Marvel in there. Mm. Well, of course they can Job they done. can use, of course they can use the, the phrase Marvel. But you know, like the sneaky, again, more like sneaky, filthy marketing from the studio that brought you Venom, which obviously 
made lots of money for some ridiculous reason and spider-man no way home like yeah. but you know that two billion dollar film <laughs> oh it's crazy <laughs> crazy man and then there's just this whimper in the wind and there's this yeah all right well as always we'd like to close out on some trivia and yeah this i found interesting and it's not about morbius it's about milo matt smith's character milo wears clothes that are of the same style worn by jim carrey's character stanley itkiss in the mask which are decidedly different than the rest of the characters in this movie his name milo is also the name of jim carrey's dog in the mask he also has dance moves and strikes poses throughout Morbius that echo those of Stanley Ipkiss when he dons the green mask. My brain is like expanding and also exploding Could at the same time. Just, what? Could what? just be a long string of coincidences. Maybe. It lines up. It does line up. I mean, there, the dancing especially. There were some, yeah, looking in the mirror and dancing. Just an overall bizarre demeanor. Okay. Strange, eh? Strange. There you go. Yeah, I came across it earlier. I thought, oh, that's interesting mm. enough to use as trivia. Well, that's it for our review of Morbius. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We're on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Street Podcast. We also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review, and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, we recently reviewed The Adam Project and Cheaper by the Dozen. And keep an eye out for our next review, The Bubble. You've been listening to Luke and Jason, the guys from that Film Stew. See you soon. Thank you.